This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, welcome back. We are on the latest edition of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull. And joining me now, my former radio partner, CBS Sports Radio's Eye on Baseball. He has done so well for himself. And my gosh, uh, CJ Nitkowski is with me, former big league pitcher. Uh, CJ, I, I am really proud of all the success. I don't know why I'm proud. It's not like I did anything. But your success, and I got to tell you, I've told you this via text, but this is really true. And I'm not just saying this because you're on with me. It's a it's a very tough hurdle for former players to get over to not just be the player. And that's fine if you're just the player, because there's obviously a role for that. But I think in your career, you and I know it was important to you because it's been important to you for a while, but you have progressed well beyond that to where you could be the play by play guy. You could be on MLB radio, which you are the lead host on the station. And I don't think there's a lot of players that are good at that role. And you are not only good, you're excellent. So kudos to you for the success. I appreciate you saying that, Bull. I mean, I'm really appreciative of the opportunities I've gotten in this industry so far. The opportunity you and I had to work together was a really good time. Uh, I want to say back in the day, but that sounds like such an old thing uh, to say. But it is, it's, it's been a while. Uh, you know, I'll tell you this. I think part of it is, you know, had I had a better career, right, and I was a name player that people knew and accomplished some big things or had big postseason moments, um, maybe I wouldn't feel the need to make sure that I had to be really good at broadcasting if I want to work in this, right? There are guys you and I know that had really good careers but aren't necessarily great broadcasters but have great opportunities and, and make huge money in our industry, regardless of sport. Uh, but for the rest of us that were just fortunate enough to play, but maybe, you know, didn't accomplish uh, very many great things, like you better be good at what you do and you better be able to do a lot of different things. So I feel fortunate. I have done play-by-play. I did it for Fox uh, for a little while. I did it when I was calling Ranger games about 10 a year. Now that I have this Braves job, which I'm starting this season, I won't have to do uh, play-by-play anymore. But hosting and, you know, writing and just basically trying to do as much as I possibly can to figure out what I was good at. Um, and then ultimately just kind of settling in more on the analyst role. But uh, I appreciate it. I like doing all the roles. Yeah. And uh, it's just really it's about survival, man, and trying to find ways to make sure you got work. You know, often in baseball, almost all the time, there's very few exceptions to this rule. The best, the 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 guy who was, a, you know, a, a solid player or mm. just a journeyman player often makes the better manager. This The stu- superstars are very rarely managers and and even if they are they're very rarely successful and I kind of feel that way about broadcasters to some degree I mean in terms of on the field I'm thinking about all the guys on MLB radio I would guess Brad Lidge maybe had the most accomplished career that I can think of of, probably maybe I'm not thinking of somebody but I, I think when you have to grind and fight for your roster spot and do all that I think you get a perspective that a guy who maybe it comes easier to doesn't have Without a doubt. And, and again, not always across the board, 
But generally, I think we do go in that direction. In the coaching part of it especially, it sometimes can be really difficult for the star player to relate to even the average player when it comes to teaching the game and having the patience to teach the game. Mm-hmm. You know, quite honestly, and I think the same thing in broadcasting and making sure that you're, again, working hard. There is something to be said, I think, of having not having lost that everyday guy part of you either. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I think about how I got where I'm at, a lot of it I think about the people that I grew up with. You know, most of my closest friends uh, from high school were not necessarily athletes. Uh, but really good friends and still great friends to this day. And I think about their personalities and kind of how they interacted with people and how that shaped me in a way you don't even realize it, right? You're just growing up and hanging out with your buddies. But I think that had something to do with it as well. And then trying to be a student of broadcasting whenever we had, especially early in my career, uh, play-by-play guys that have accomplished a lot, I would always ask a lot of questions. And I always think back to something that Al Michael said that I asked him probably 10 years ago about the best analyst that he's ever had. And he always tells me it's the analysts that are willing to put their playing career behind them and their broadcast career in front of them. Uh, because as you well know, like old stories and being mad about analytics is only going to take you so far. That's right. Uh, you better be able to bring something else to the table to keep people engaged. That's a great point. When I hear bro- when I hear former players complain on broadcast about the game, it's like you're supposed to be promoting the game. Baseball's got enough yeah. people taking shots at it. We don't need the former players doing it, even if you don't like the game as much. CJ, you mentioned, of course, for those who don't know, CJ's originally from New York, of course, proud New Yorker, but you have you and your family have lived in Atlanta for a long time now, and the fact that you get to go, what's, what's your home now, is in Atlanta to be a broadcaster, not only being home, but a great team in Atlanta, has got to be very exciting, and I wonder, I tried to research this, but I, I found mm-hmm. it impossible to find. If there's okay. ever been a broadcaster that has called has been for the World Series champs two years in a row with two, <laughs> two two different teams. I haven't been able to find that out. But obviously the Rangers won a championship last year. You were one of the broadcasters. And the Braves certainly are a contender to do so this year. I don't know if you know if anybody's done it. But is that a goal this year to be the first one if it's never been done? I mean, it's a goal just because I want to see the Braves now uh, win the World Series. I love obscure uh, things like that that probably nobody else cares about but us, like talking about it and and having fun. So I hope that's something that we'll be talking about uh, next November, uh, you and I. And you can see, I told you, because I I hadn't even thought about that. So that is uh, definitely something uh, that would be fun that is out there. But yeah, we have been here a long time, 18 years. I played here in 04 uh, for a half a season and then ultimately moved here about a year and a half later. And I just kind of, this was our home base and, uh, when I was still playing at the time, I was playing in Japan, playing in Korea. I got to play with the Mets in the minor leagues at the very end of my career when I was 39 and then got into broadcasting and, and just kept this as home. And these last seven years working for the Rangers and being their guy, I was doing a lot of traveling. Uh, but I was resigned to the fact that, again, going back to you, do what you got to do. And it was a really good job with a good organization. Uh, and then this opportunity came up. And I was still under contract with the Rangers. So I had to go back to them and ask them and say, listen, I wouldn't ask to leave under any other circumstances outside of this opportunity to go home. I have one out of college, one in college, and I still have uh, my youngest son in high school. And it was starting to weigh on me a little bit, um, but I just kept grinding through it. And I was on the road probably 135 days a year. And never Atlanta wasn't even on my mind. I'm like, I'm, this is never going to open up. Jack right. Francoeur is young. This is his spot. But he wanted to step back having young children. And we're beside ourselves of just being uh, thrilled that we got the opportunity. And uh, the idea of you know collecting World Series rings as a broadcaster, like, I always thought, like, <laughs> should the broadcasters really get them? I, I could take it or leave it. Like, yeah. I get it if a team was like, we're not giving them broadcasters. Uh, but the Rangers are going to give me one. They took That's my awesome. size. And after lots of years uh, of failure as a player, I'll just try to collect rings now as a broadcaster. <laughs> That's funny. And And listen, you know, I was looking at I'm preparing for fan for my fantasy baseball draft, right? And the reason I bring up fantasy is because it gives you an indication of how good the Braves are. I'm looking at the first two rounds of my fantasy draft that I'm preparing for, and I'm like, 
I got five Braves in my top 20 picks. I mean, you got Acuna. You got Spencer Strider, who's right now one of the best pitchers mm-hmm. in baseball. You've got um, you've got Olsen. You've got Riley. And who yeah. am I forgetting? I'm forgetting a fifth guy. Uh, it depends. Is it a pitcher or is it uh, – I mean, there's a lot going on. Sean Murphy behind the plate. Uh, Ozzy Albies, of course, over at Ozzie second. Albies. Or see how to relate Yeah, from a yeah okay. standpoint, because he plays Freed. Yeah, Max Fried, you know, I want to say he's a sleeper, but yeah. a healthy Max Fried, which he is right now, he's a top 10 pitcher in baseball, which, you know, take ranks for what they're worth. But I did see that MLB Network yeah. had him in the top 10, and uh, he's set to be a free agent this year. So really a platform year. He could be a guy between the two of them. Um, I mean, they, they could be right up there with each other, and you're going to get more strikeouts from Spencer Strider. But uh, they're both anticipating having big years. Yeah, that team that team is loaded. CJ, obviously yeah, do a lot of – I want to give you on that real quick. Yeah. What's amazing about that, like you like you said, they're so deep with stars, and they're top – I think I want to say they're sixth in payroll right now, but their highest paid player is like 41st in baseball. Even though they have a top six payroll, the way that they have spread the money out – that Alex, the job that Alex Anthopoulos has done and hitting on all these kind of quote unquote team friendly contracts has been incredible to have that good of a team with that many stars and basically not have a player in the top 40 of salary this year is unheard of. Yeah. They're the model. You know, you see other teams that have spent even more like the Dodgers and Dodgers are really good, but I look at the Mets. I mean, their payroll's crazy. I don't even think they're a playoff Mm -hmm. team. And by the way, I'm not sure the Yankees are a playoff team either. I know every year, Everybody says they are. I predicted they wouldn't be last year, and I was right. Not that I haven't gotten plenty of predictions wrong. We'll see. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the Guardians, CJ, because obviously I know you do a lot of work for MLB Radio. And the fan base here is very frustrated. Um, In 2017, uh, they spent three years, $60 million on Edwin Encarnacion. And listen, I'll give them credit for the – they extended Jose Ramirez, which I didn't expect, and they extended – now they got a break because Jose took pennies on the dollar compared to what he could have gotten on the market. And they did extend Andres Jimenez. But if you look at free agent contracts since Encarnacion, in seven years, they've spent roughly $80 million. That's it in the last seven wow. years. I, I, mm. Listen, their front office overall has done a good job, but I just don't know how you can compete. When when you just don't spend any money at all, and and fans are frustrated. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think you know quite honestly. Again, and it's probably not fair to say, but the Braves model even then does give you a very high payroll. You can't do that with a lot of players, right? Sure. You pick your spots, and then you sit there and try to figure out. So hopefully, you have a sustainable winner. Yeah, I get the frustration for the Guardians, and you look at their payroll, and they're about where they were a year ago. Right. So that part of it, it's not as if they've come down or gone up. They're just kind of sitting there. I think they're within a couple of million of of where they were and they'll continue to rely on development. So it, it's legitimate frustration. You know, their television situation was up in the air yeah. uh, this year, like it was for the Rangers, like it was for the Twins and everything that's going on with Bally and RSNs right now. We're still kind of in the middle of what this thing is ultimately uh, going to look like. Hopefully a lot more gets settled over the next uh, year or two. That's a big uh, part of this, uh, but obviously they're also doing some work to the ballpark as well. They, you know, their ratings are always good. Like they do really yeah. well from you know a market share standpoint. But I guess for them, that television revenue hasn't been uh, where it is compared to a lot of other uh, organizations, which is you know which is a big deal. So uh, I don't I don't know. I, you know this better than I would. When we look at a team like that, is it because they can't spend or they're not unwilling to spend? I, uh, right, I, and then at what point with your owners are you really going to be uh, you know aggressive about I, it? I, I believe it's because they're unwilling. Now, nobody's expecting yeah. the Guardians to have the Mets payroll or even the Braves payroll, right? No, nobody. Mm-hmm. But think about it. Their payroll is what ninety million, ninety five, maybe a hundred. If their payroll was a hundred, because their pitching is good, and this division is not yeah. very good. Like their rotation mm-hmm. with all those young arms, they always develop the arms. That that's been a consistent, and their bullpen's pretty good. They. 
but if if you could spend if they could spend 30 40 million for two bats what a difference mm-hmm. that could make in this lineup and they're just unwilling you know last year they and and to be fair the last couple of years when they have spent they haven't spent it wisely they spent on mm-hmm. Josh Bell last year he was a disaster they spent on Mike Zanino last year he was a disaster so this year the only money they spent they spent 4 million on Austin Hedges who's arguably the worst offensive player in baseball <laughs> to be their backup catcher. I mean, if you're going to spend that, you could have signed Randall Gritchick for 4 million. They could probably sign yeah. Adam Duval for eight, 10 million instead of a backup mm-hmm. catcher. I, I just, I, I'm confused by all that. Well, so it's a legitimate frustration. I think yeah. the one area where we focused on with the guardians was the outfield. Yeah. And especially, you know, with Ramon Laureano, who at one point looked like he was on his way to being a really big-time impact player, and there's still some things there, but I, I think that, you know, that progression has changed. It looked like there was an opportunity there, uh, potentially what you were going to do with DH. I get Josh Naylor's going to be probably the DH, assuming that Manzardo sticks, like they really like him. He's 23 years old, hasn't been in the big leagues yet. And so there's that, hey, if this all goes right, then then maybe it works out. There were opportunities, though, especially on the DH side. I mean, there's still a couple of decent DHs yeah. out there, including uh, – you know, J.D. Martinez, but you see the ones that signed like Justin Turner uh, and others, and, and that falls right into the number that you're talking about. Yeah. So I think it's absolutely a fair criticism to say, where was that extra, you know, 10 or 15 or even a little bit more yeah. just to bring in the impact bat, right? They kept trying uh, to kind of do it on the cheap, and it really hasn't happened for them. You know, Stephen Kwan is a, is a great defensive outfielder. He's going to get on base for you. There's a lot of things he does well, but he's not going to slug. Right. You kind of know that going in. Miles Straw, same thing, plus defender, but he's not going to slug. And so from the outfield position, you're, you're relying on Ramon Laureano to kind of carry whatever slugging you're going to get from your outfield position. That's probably a little bit light. Uh, and so what hasn't happened, even Michael A. Taylor, who I don't think is signed yet. Nope. I thought that's a guy I would bring into the mix. That's a plus defender that you can kind of either, you know, put him in center or figure out what you want to do with straw, or you can put him in a corner outfield position. So, yeah. um, and that was not, it's not going to cost you very much. So yeah. I think it's all legitimate to, to back up the great pitching. It's all homegrown in the rotation, which is incredible. Yeah. It's basically them and the Astros that continue to do that. Uh, Ranger fans still haven't gotten over the Emmanuel Class A trade for Corey Kluber and the one inning that they got out of him. Yeah. Um, but so the, the pitching side, you feel pretty confident. Now, I'm with you. I think it's yeah. absolutely legitimate uh, to talk about how come they haven't added a little bit more with the offense. Yeah, I mean, think about it. if you if you add. I mentioned Duval, who I, if you sign Duval and yeah. JD Martinez to play, and I know Duval's not a great center fielder, but he's mm-hmm. adequate. And and if I if I can go Quan. Duval and then maybe an Estevan Florial Ramon Laureano combo and yeah. right. All of a sudden, I got JD Martinez at DH with Naylor, Jimenez, Ramirez. You hope one of the shortstops, Bo Naylor's a nice. Now I feel much better about that lineup, but, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's uh, not going to be the case. Who do you like in the Central? Because to me, the whole that's division great. stinks. <laughs> That's a great question. And has that not been the story for like the longest time? I know the Twins yeah. at times would go through a period where you feel like, okay, they got it together. They've obviously taken a step back. The Tigers have been trying to emerge. It really hasn't happened. Uh, there is no favorite there. And I think that's why we saw the Kansas City Royals do what they did this past yeah. offseason, which quite honestly was surprised everybody uh, with the additions, especially on the pitching side. Of course, they extended Bobby Wood Jr. I think that was a really nice move for them, gives them identity. I don't know if there's enough there in Kansas City, uh, but I think they try to make it interesting. There is no clear-cut favorite here I, I think that is as is, is plain as could be this thing is wide open and so now it comes down to what I was saying earlier which you know we use this phrase a lot and it seems very simple but it's like hey if everything goes right 
which team do you like best? And it's asking a lot, right? Asking everybody to stay healthy, asking as an example, you know, Manzardo to be the guy they think he could be right away. That's not fair to do to a guy. Like I'll use Tristan Costas as an example in Boston, right? There was a young guy with a lot of hype in his first couple of months. I was like, this guy's not going to make it. He may go to the minor leagues. And then he just goes off the second half of the season. And that's reasonable. And that's kind of what you're hoping for. So uh, there is no favorite here for me. Uh, And and again, going back to that phrase, if everything went right, who do I think would win it? I'm not sure I still know, quite honestly, based on uh, these rosters. But the Guardians should be in this thing. Maybe the Royals make it interesting. Uh, The Twins should be uh, if things go right. I'm still not all the way there yet uh, on the Detroit Tigers. But this is far and away the most difficult division. Both centrals, quite honestly, are just really difficult to predict. I agree. Last thing on Major League Baseball, and I don't want to wrap up with St. John's real quick. Anthony Rendon, uh, as someone, we talked about this before, as someone that had to fight and claw for every job down the stretch of your career, it it seems so disrespectful what Anthony Rendon said. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. What what did you think about what what his comments? Yeah, I wish you wouldn't have said it, right? They don't need any more negative attention, I think, with the Angels, right? They just haven't been able to put it together as a club, and, and nobody's going to feel empathetic for Anthony Rendon with that contract. That's just the way fans are. Uh, people say it all the time. Like, they'll talk about it, you know, uh, with our, our other radio group kind of behind closed doors and different guys that have been around and heard different things and and that kind of stuff. And it always just, you know, always get back to it. felt like he was a guy who never loved baseball, like looked at it like a job. And he's not the only one. I think sure. this is an extreme level in which we're seeing. And then you add the injuries to it and the lack of production and kind of how that has hamstrung the angels here a little bit. That is huge frustration for everybody involved. And so while we might get annoyed at times when players are going to give us those canned answers that just seem like, hey, they're leaving no room for criticism, but they're not saying anything either. That's better than this. Like, that's a time where it's like, you know what? I'd rather you not be honest. I'm not saying I get it. You feel that way. That's fine. Um, But maybe don't say that because right now these fans are frustrated. They're dealing with the hurt of losing Shohei Otani, uh, frustrated that they haven't been able to get Mike Trout into the postseason. Perimanazian's doing what he can uh, to try to, you know, he's aggressive. He takes chances trying to get this team to be a contender. And then you find out you feel like you have a player who doesn't even like playing baseball. CJ, last thing, let's wrap up with your alma mater, St. John's. Uh, Do you know, I mean, I I don't know if this is something you're on top of, but do you know where you rank in terms of most seasons in the majors for a St. John's alum? Do you know where you rank there? Uh, Let me think. So obviously Frank Viola, John Franco, uh, Rich Aurelia should all be ahead of me. Yes. Uh, Joe Panic, I don't think made it 10 years. No parts of 10 years. So like service time wise, he may be ahead of me. I just hosted their uh, bullpen bank with their off season uh, dinner up in New York uh, last month, which was really fun. And, and they started off their baseball season. Great, man. They beat Florida uh, first game of the year. That's such nice. a big deal to them. You know what I mean? Like when you're a team sure. like St. John's, like my first game there, I pitched against Clemson. We beat them. Nice. It was such a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So awesome. So uh, memories. I told those guys at the dinner because I knew they we're going to play Florida. I said, listen, I'm 50 years old and I still talk about the time we beat Clemson. Cool. Like that, you know, even though I've done a bunch of other things. Yeah. So if you get there and do it, it's going to be awesome. And they did it. So that was really cool. But I, I would guess fourth or fifth. Your fifth, the one guy you forgot, okay. and it's not Panic. Panic got eight years officially. The one okay. guy you forgot is a little older, Mike Jorgensen. Remember him? He played for the Mets. Uh, yep. Okay. Now, yep. now, Amir Garrett has a chance to pass you. He's played, I think this will be his okay. eighth season. So he's got a shot, but you're, yep. you're, you are fifth. Yeah. Uh, we claim him, by the way, even though he never played baseball there. Oh, I didn't realize Remember, that. He, he was a basketball player there. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's true. So, but we still claim him. We'll absolutely okay. claim him. We'll take what we can get. Speaking of basketball, CJ, let's wrap up with this. Uh, mm-hmm. I was excited when, when St. John's hired Rick Pitino, because even though I didn't go to St. John's, as any kid yep. our age in New York, 
I was a huge St. John's basketball fan. I'm sure you grew up rooting for Chris Mullen just like I did and Mark Jackson and all those guys. It was great basketball. And obviously St. John's is, for the most part, basketball been pretty awful for the last couple of decades. And the team got off to a good start. And they're terrible now. And Patino's killing the yeah. players. What, what, what's your thoughts on what's going on there? I think the reaction part of it, nobody wanted to see, yeah. uh, obviously, from him. Uh, there's some real frustration. So it's the passion, of course, which you appreciate. Losing brings out the worst. It seems like they're having some real second-half struggles and being athletic enough to kind of get all the way through entire games. I am no basketball expert by any means. I'm going to go Saturday living down here in Atlanta, or Sunday, I should say. Uh, there's a watch event for their game this weekend, and uh, they asked me to stop by and kind of talk about being the Braves guy and whatnot. So I'll, I'll swing in and we'll all kind of uh you know we'll deal with our sorrows together i you know don't tell anybody this but so you're right it was amazing big east basketball uh oh, during that time period in the 80s but i was a patrick ewing david wingate guy oh wow well that's i don't say that, I don't say that in front of other st john's yeah. people i had a little mini uh, georgetown basketball and it was hard not to like patrick ewing i mean the year of course where we saw three big east teams in the final four yeah. uh the heyday but i was i was drawn to pe and i was drawn to uh, i like david wingate for whatever I, I don't know how I didn't know that. That is great. I mean, yeah. good, my, my best. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, my best friend as a kid was a Georgetown fan, and my other best friend was a yeah. Syracuse fan. We used to go at it all the time. Yeah. CJ, best of luck this year with the Braves. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate the time. Yeah, great to see you as always, Bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. Great stuff with CJ Nitkowski. Awesome to catch up with him yet again. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Thanks for all of you for watching and listening. Please hit the subscribe button and the thumbs up. Hit the uh, the bell to get the alerts every time we do a podcast. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing and CJ Nitkowski for joining me. We'll talk to you next time. Where else but right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.